What's up, guys? Josh here from the Rising Action Podcast. In today's episode, Grayson and I finish a two-part series highlighting different story mediums. In this episode, we dive deep into comics, TV shows, and video games, and what makes them really fun mediums through which we've enjoyed some of our favorite stories. Before we dive into that, though, I want to let you know about a giveaway we're doing on the podcast. In order to win a free copy of the movie Goodfellas, you should follow our Instagram page, risingaction underscore, and comment on our giveaway post, Gimme Goodfellas. We'll randomly pick a winner from those comments and DM the winner so that we can send you the movie. So now that I've gotten all that out of the way, I'm going to shut up and get into it with Grayson. I struggled for a long time with surviving in you. No matter what, you keep finding something to fight for. Joel from The Last of Us. Welcome back, all you beautiful people, to the Rising Action Podcast. I am host number one, Josh, and I am joined by my good buddy, Grayson. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, and wow, what a suck-up you are for calling all of them beautiful. Listen. Brown noser. Just kidding. Listen, you all deserve it. It's, it's, it's a rough time in the world. Everybody needs a little love. Yeah, yeah no, it's we're, true. We're spreading... A little bit of a little nugget of love here on the Rising yeah. Action podcast. We're about love. No, I fully support it. I'm just giving you a hard time. Fair enough. But yeah, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. We're both tired, actually. I, I think we're both I, I about would, to I, take a nap after this episode. Oh, as soon as we take take it, or as soon as we record this, we're definitely taking a nap. Yeah, I have in one hand a bottle of water so my throat doesn't die, and in the other, a cup of coffee that is now kind of getting cold. So, I, I've been up since. 5.36 a.m. I worked this morning, but I had one cup cup of coffee before work. I had a energy drink that was a little less than three cups of coffee worth of caffeine, and then I had a iced latte, which was probably two shots of espresso. So that's what I've had today. I have a caffeine addiction. So what I'm gathering is I should keep a defibrillator on me at all times when I'm around you because you might yeah. just spontaneously have a heart attack. Yeah, make sure your phone doesn't die. You probably want to call 911 I uh, granted this is a this is a day that like I need the energy because I was gonna take a nap before recording this and then it just I was like I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be really tired and like I'm gonna feel more tired because I need like a good nap yep. right now um, and I'm like I I can't I don't want just like an hour nap so I was like you know what I'm gonna bite the bullet and I'm gonna just drink some coffee and we gonna do this thing and this thing that we are doing is called the rise in action podcast and it is part two of our different mediums of storytelling episode and this week we're getting into video games comics and tv shows it's a big episode i feel like this might be a super episode i think our longest one up to this point is about an hour and 20 minutes i yeah. would not be surprised if we shattered that today so yeah i mean we'll, we'll try to make it We'll try quick. to make it quick for you, but get get your popcorn. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you're on a long commute, go for it. You know, if you're if you're trying to get away or something, I don't know why you really would be because there's not many places you can go. No. But then again, I could have used this yesterday because I because I went out of state and drove about an hour and a half, and you know, depending on how long this is, it would have been great. But I also don't really listen to my own podcast that often. So fair enough. I listen to it. Every night that I post it. 
which is probably a little little weird. Um, I mean, but it is. It sometimes I do that though, especially on like bigger episodes on um, either of them. But um, you should plug our socials. Yes, we have a few housekeeping items. In fact, I'm going to yes. lead off with one that I did not tell you about before we started recording. So you're welcome for that because we are very prepared here on the Rising Action Podcast. Absolutely. I have an extra copy of the movie Goodfellas. And so oh, right. I thought it would be a great idea to give away an unopened Blu-ray copy of Goodfellas here on the podcast. So my thought is... For those of you who would like to be sent a free copy of Goodfellas, follow us on Instagram at risingaction underscore. Comment, I want a free copy of Goodfellas on our next post, which will be about this episode that you're listening to right now. Mm -hmm. Comment, I want a free copy of Goodfellas. You'll be entered in and we'll randomly randomly pick pick one of y'all and then we'll DM you if you win and you can... Give us your deets, and we'll send you a free yeah. copy of Goodfellas. Smart, indeed. So I'm, I'm sure you'll put it in the in the caption of the post to be like, yeah, this is the one to. Yeah, to, I in will. Case people, I so will people post, don't comment on the wrong one. Yes, I will post one that will be a giveaway post on Instagram. Dope. Tell you what, you can comment on the giveaway post or the post about this episode. There will be two posts probably this week on Instagram Fantastic. at Rising Action underscore. Because Josh is a instagram social media posting machine i'm trying i'm trying yeah so you kill it, our man. instagram is rising action underscore my personal mm-hmm. instagram is josh johnson 98 my twitter is josh underscore j 98 i tweet yeah. a lot grayson tweets apparently a lot. he had an, he had an epiphany that he's been saying his twitter the wrong the entire time and i for some reason i had a like a skepticism but i also like didn't believe in that skepticism enough to be like, oh, yeah, you're wrong on your own Twitter account. <laughs> but, yes, it is Josh underscore J98. Yes. But it's okay, man. We all, we're not, we're not perfect. None of we us are perfect. We all make mistakes. You are um, at Tradester8 on everything. Tradester8 on Facebook, Twitter and Facebook Instagram. Suck it. Facebook is the worst. Sorry, Mark Zuckerberg, you lizard man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say much. I still use Facebook somewhat occasionally. I know you do. Ethan. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I have a lot of um, old friends that like Facebook. No, it's fair. Eventually, I was like, I, it took me a while to, for, for me to delete it as well. And then finally, my freshman year of college, I was like, let the past die. Fair enough. Kill it if you have to. You got to kill your darlings, as Stephen yeah. King said. No, well, Stephen King's a weirdo, so just kidding. He's pretty cool. I mean, he is he's weird, definitely but he's a also a really good writer. <laughs> he's, de- he's, a, he's a weirdo. Um... Yeah, so before we get into the main subject of this, is anything else you have left to say before we kind of get into the normal routine? That is all the housekeeping items. Why don't we hop into our first little segment? Okay, so we have we have come up with a, a running term, gag, theme, whatever you want to call it, and this is going to be a weekly thing, and that is what world are we exploring and basically that means, as if you listened last week, we talked about it a little bit. Basically that means what form of storytelling, what stories, whether that be any of the mediums we have been talking about um, or, or even beyond that, what we have been um, 
consuming. What we've been up to, basically, consuming. We could, we said consuming last time, and I was like, what if it we called it weird. the the worlds that? Yeah, because you're not eating them. No. Like I know consuming has a a a larger definition than just shoving things in your mouth. Right. But worlds that you are exploring seems to fit. So with that being said, Josh, what worlds have you been exploring? So I finally just finished The Way of Kings, book one of the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. Um, I think this past week I read the last 400 pages of it. Um, What a machine, dude. I just kind of decided, you know what? Enough's enough. I need to finish this book. I've been kind of reading it for a year it, it needs to be i need to be done with it um and it was like okay whenever you read a book that is almost 1300 pages yeah. i think it was like 1250 flat so if you read a book that long it's gonna be slow right and i think i was kind of stuck in that middle bit from like mm-hmm. half to the the 80 percent mark for a while because it was just it was still setting up some payoffs for the end and um brandon sanderson is a very good plotter and uh like character developer Mm -hmm. but he doesn't do it quickly at least not in the way of kings yeah. And that's probably intentional. I know he's said in many interviews that he's like, I just kind of want to make a really, really big book. Yeah. And I mean, okay. it, it is it. book Good one job. of a massive series. I think it's planned to be seven books, and each of them are over a thousand pages. They're all massive. Are you going to try to read the whole thing? Sheesh. Eventually. Eventually. I'm going to try and read some shorter books first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I finished Wave Kings. I really enjoyed the ending of it. Um, Mm-hmm. I think for the ending alone, I would recommend it to everybody. Um, yeah. I, I think you kind of have to realize going into it that there is a slog in the middle because it's a <laughs> massive book and you kind of have yeah. to, you kind of have to commit to it a little bit, but it's well, is that worth a negative? It. Is it like, is it a negative for you that it does that or yes and no. I think for a lot of people, it is a negative, mm-hmm. um, because it is so big and there's such a time commitment to it. Right. I think a lot of people in general would prefer their books to be between 200 and like 500 pages. 500, right, yeah. And this is easily double that. It's for your hardcore fantasy reader. Right, and fantasy sure. fans will read a book that's 2,000 pages long. Like, fantasy fans don't care. They're psychos. So Fantasy is dense. Indeed. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, in terms of fantasy, people are going to read it. And I think... yeah. He's a wonderful author, and you know that if you're going to get a, like, if you're going to commit yourself to a story that big, mm-hmm. go in with the assurance that, yeah, it's going to be wrapped up really well and the payoffs are going to come out really nice. Yeah. So that is a safe, very solid read. Um, I just ordered and picked up uh, The Kings of the Wild by yes, I'm Nicholas very Ames. By this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, uh, I watch several fantasy um youtubers and one of them probably it was about a week ago he released his 10 favorite uh fantasy series of all time Mm -hmm. and this book which is part of a i think there's a second so i think it's planned as a three so a trilogy 
<laughs> yeah. It's planned as a trilogy. It's called The Band. Uh, the first book is Kings of the Wild. And he, this YouTuber, had it at his number nine, I think, of all time, which is insane because this is a debut novel. So. how? Yeah, how, um, what year did this book come out? I want to say 2017, maybe 2016. It's pretty recent. Okay. Pretty recent. Yeah. Um, I am almost 100 pages into it, and it is really fun so far. It's honestly yeah. like watching. It's comedic. Um, mm. It plays on a lot of tropes of fantasy. It doesn't take itself all that seriously. Yeah. I'm interested to see where it will go because at this point, you just have characters linking up with other characters. So you mm-hmm. can tell things are about to happen, but they haven't really started happening yet. Um, so I'll probably finish it before we record our next episode because I like it. And it's pretty easy to read. Um, so I'm tearing through that. Uh, there's a character in it named Moog, who's a wizard. It's Okay, I'll, I'll give like a little synopsis real quick just for, yeah. for anybody make, who might be make interested. Make it snappy. Make it snappy. So... It's a book about a band of mercenaries. It does the correlation between rock bands. So, like, mercenaries built or uh, put together bands in their youth, and they went and did all kinds of things. They killed dragons, killed trolls, whatever. Cool stuff like that. And people worship them like American or people like us would worship rock bands. Yeah. Well, this is a band that got old, and, you know, they all went their separate separate ways. They're all, like, 50, 60 years old. Well, maybe not that. Maybe, like, 40s. I don't know. They're all middle-aged. Middle-aged, right, yeah. They're all graying. They're all getting fat. And they've got families and all different kinds of things that they're up to. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them tries to get the band back together for one last hoorah. So that's essentially the quick little Reader's Digest version of Kings of the Wild. And I'm really really stoked on it. I'm really happy. Yeah. Yeah, when you pitched it um, on Twitter, you talked about it. You're like, I need to finish these other books, but man, this book sounds awesome. Yes. And I was like, Josh, no. Wait. <laughs> yeah. So I jumped this in ahead really cool. of, I had Name of the Wind by Pat Rothfuss next on the docket. Yeah. And I jumped this ahead of that. Um, I also have another book I want to read, uh, Tagana by Guy Gabriel K. That one's up there as well. I might read that one Are next. all of these, all of these fantasy? Yeah, they're all fantasy. Wow. You can, you can, there's a, there's a trend there's going a here. Very, there's very much a trend with what Josh reads. Yeah. Yeah, what, I don't blame what you. What worlds have you been diving into, Grayson? Um, ooh, a lot actually. Um, so I've watched, I believe, two movies over the past week. Okay. A mutual friend of ours, Seth, uh, who may or may not be appearing on a future episode, that will also be a large undertaking, and we will need his assistance as a huge the fil- for the film buff that he is. Yep. But he let me borrow um, the film Looper. And 310 to Yuma, directed by Ryan Johnson and James Mangold, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, two movies, movies that I have not seen, and he had the DVDs for him, and he's like, borrow them. And I'm like, sweet, sounds good. So I watched Looper for the first time. Ooh, fantastic movie. I'm going to say wonderful movie. I feel like wonderful is not – it's a fantastic movie, really well-done script, yeah. great performances by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Emily Blunt, and even Bruce Willis, which – kind of shocked me i love the setting i love the way it handles this weird take on time travel it's just a, it's just a really original script and ryan johnson i think is one of the main guys in hollywood right now that has done 
amazing work in terms of original scripts yeah. and screenplays and things that you haven't seen before. And if you have, they're going to be flipped on their head yep. quite drastically. Yep. Um, whether that be Knives Out or even The Last Jedi, which depending on what your thoughts on that, he still did some really good stuff with that movie. Um, so I have the utmost respect for Ryan Johnson. So Looper, totally approve it in my book. Um, I'm glad I watched it. 310 to Yuma, solid Western. Mm-hmm. James Mangold does a great job with that genre. In the beginning, I was a little iffy because it seemed a little too cliche, cookie cutter, like Western in the beginning. Yeah. But it started to grow on me, and Christian Bale and um, Russell Crowe both knock it out of the park. Even Logan Lerman, for, like little 14, 15 year old Logan, I think actually probably like 15 or 16 at the time. Uh, I don't know how old he was. He's supposed to be 14 in the movie. He does a really good job in the movie as well. Um, and then, what is his name? Um, ben, what is his last name? He was in uh, Hell or High Water and... Um, I know who you're talking about. Uh, um, also Hostiles. Yes. He played... Yeah, he was really good in that movie. I did not realize he was in it. Um, he, he's a very hateable character. I'm I'm trying to think of his last name because um, there's a lot of Ben actors. Um, I can't remember his name for the life of me. He's a great yeah. actor, though. He's really good. He's in Hell... If anybody's interested in his name, just look up Hell or High Water. Um, he is one of the main leads in that movie yes um alongside chris pine and uh jeff bridges um so yeah three cent yuma also really good and then other than that oh i beat the last of us and it's dlc last week i believe on thursday or friday uh loved it yeah so glad i played it um it was very well hyped up i was not disappointed um and i am fully on board for the sequel um despite the plot leaks and stuff that people have been saying are not looking too good, I'm still pretty excited for it, and I think it's still going to be a really great game. So very glad I got to play The Last of Us. And then the the, the smallest thing is I've still con- I've continued to read from a certain point of view. Yep. I read a bunch of it today, like a good f- like 50, 60 pages at work. Nice. Um, and there were some really cool stories. Um one that was like only three pages, but it was so, it was just such a unique story. I was like, this is like totally out of place. Yeah. But it's like the two most interesting stories that I read today. There was one uh, from the perspective of Aunt Baru from A New Hope. And it's after she's dead. She's like kind of talking about her life and like what she basically, she didn't expect her life to be like, oh, I'm raising Luke Skywalker, you know? Right. But like she, she could have owned like a cafe and all of this stuff. And it was like a real, but it was a really heartfelt short story that was like only like three or four pages. Yeah. Um, maybe not even that really enjoyed that. The coolest one though was undoubtedly one that was from the perspective of Qui-Gon's force ghost talking to Obi-Wan in the events of a new hope. And it was so beautiful. I loved the message. Claudia gray wrote that one and she inevitably ended up, the chapter is called master and apprentice. And then two years later she did the book, Master and Apprentice, which is about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan yeah. before the events of The Phantom Menace. That's dope. She, I love her writing style so much. She is such a great uh, writer. Um, and yeah, that was, I remember like I finished that and I was like, I, I could have shed a tear like of how good, how good that short story was. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really enjoying that book and I'm trying to ship away at that a little bit longer because I, a little bit faster because I've been in kind of a DC mood lately and um, I really want to read, uh, Kingdom Come, which is a, a very famous uh, DC graphic novel. 
um, and I've had that on the back burner for a while, so I'm going to try to get to that. And last, oh, I just got the um, Superman 1, Superman 2, and Superman Returns Blu-ray in like a triple pack. Whoa. Um, and yeah, for like 15 bucks on Amazon, I think. That's not bad. Um, and I'm a huge Superman fan, if anybody doesn't know. So, and this, I believe the second one is the Richard Donner cut, which means it's like the original cut that was intended for the the director of the first two Superman movies, which are regarded as being really good. Three and four were not, but I also don't think three and four were directed by Richard Donner. Right. Um, but yeah, I've I've never seen the Superman movies all the way through, and I am a diehard Supes fan, so I'm very excited to finally watch like the pretty much the defining performance of Superman. I mean, I love Henry Cavill, and he's my Superman, but like. Christopher Reeve, he shaped Superman as a character so much, even in the comics, um, that I'm I'm pretty excited to get to that. That's um, awesome. So yeah, that ha- is what I have been exploring. We have been busy. <laughs> I just yeah, I just want to say yeah. we have been really really going at it with. Oh, the- and also, and to be like completely fair, I have been working so much, and I have also been going on trips and like hanging out with friends and stuff. We saw each other this past week. That was pretty fun. That was incredible. Um, was and we just talked about movies and stuff, like as as we always do. Um, so, yeah, it was it, it was pretty fun. But yeah, we've been we've been up to some stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I've been but beating The Last of Us has got me very excited to talk about video games as, a, yes. as an art form. Why don't I'm about to you... Go okay, off. <laughs> I want to uh, leave a disclaimer for everybody about to listen to Grayson go ham <laughs> and Josh just kind of sit here like, you know, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I am not a massive gamer. I just want, yes. I just want to lay that you, out you there. Uh, I'm pretty sure that. I, I play Madden or 2K the most. I mean, give yourself some more credit. You've played you've played a handful of of uh, story based video games. I, have. I would say I've played all like the games that you know everybody should play. Yeah, it's the ones that you know that are past see, I, that. And I see, I, I play that and beyond. Yeah, you know? I, I don't go past. I don't go past that. Yeah. So why don't you uh, lead us off? Tell me a little bit about what makes video games special and what separates them from all the other mediums for stories. Okay. So I've been kind of like brainstorming this in my head. So I must preface this with saying, and and I have to kind of get to the point. First off, I love video games and I always have since a very young age. Right. The reasons for why I have loved video games have changed as I have gotten older. So you have to distinct the different, types of video games so when i was young i started playing the game boy advanced and there were games on that that were mostly adaptations Mm -hmm. of movies cartoons like i remember i played the incredibles i played um, a spongebob game charlie and the chocolate factory uh, lego star wars spider-man games that were all based on pre-existing content you know right in a for in a way an adaptation um but those games on the Game Boy Advance, they were never... Like, if you play a game on the Game Boy Advance, it was never about story. It was always about the gameplay. It was about having a game in your hand to occupy yourself. Um, and even the games that did have stories, like Pokemon or something like that, like, they didn't have these amazing stories, but they were these really cool worlds right. to explore. So that kind of gets me into the point of of one thing, is that the... 
the player is integral to the story of a video game because true. they help shape the story. That's true. And that is why I think, and as I have gotten older and played more games and played more dynamic games, and as video games are evolving and changing and, and becoming so expansive from what they were even 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago, they have become so cinematic. But even the ones that aren't cinematic can have beautiful stories. But the player is the center point of that story. Yeah. And what makes a video game so fascinating to me and arguably I think the most dynamic and fascinating storytelling storytelling medium is because you are shaping what is happening. You are living through the story in that whether you are playing as a character based on yourself um, or you are playing a different role. Say you are playing as um, Arthur Morgan in Red Dead 2. You're you know you're you're playing that character, but you are changing what that, how that character acts based on what you do, what you are controlling that character. Yeah. Um, so that's where like all video that being, games, that is the only medium I feel like that relies on its consumer to shape the mm -hmm. story. Um, yes. Movies have tried this and books are even trying this, which is really bizarre to me where you have um, stories that it's like you have different options and you can choose what a character does in a movie or even in a book, which is really, I, I hate it for movies. Uh, I yeah. hate it. It's so dumb. Maybe it's cause it's not done well. And in mm -hmm. books, it just baffles me how somebody even thinks that works. Like, I don't know. Yeah. There might be five authors in the world that are good at it. It's just really yeah. bizarre in video games though. It really is kind of the whole backbone of the mm -hmm. video game medium and genre um, because you know uh, developers can create multiple different storylines they usually have a main storyline but also a bunch of different side storylines mm -hmm. and movies and books don't generally structure themselves that way it's it's very much linear whereas video games you can kind of go all over the place you can meander around mm -hmm. especially now that open world games are becoming more and more common or at least yes versions of open world are becoming mm -hmm. more common where you know i remember with skyrim and even when playing with red playing red dead i would never do like the main quest i would just run around and do stuff yeah and that's what makes video games really really cool especially the really good ones that allow you to do mm -hmm. all that stuff and they really immerse you in the world where you can just go up to right. a random inn and just talk to random people that's kind of what makes yeah. them special yeah, so video games have, like, what distincts, I feel like, with a book or with a comic book or with a TV show or a movie, with all of those cases, you are viewing the story. You are an external factor yeah. watching the events unfold. With a video game, you are in the events. Yeah. You are in the world that is basically as it is unfolding. Um. And in a lot of cases, you change how the outcome of the story is. Now, not in now, not in some cases. There are games that are strictly linear, but the the beauty of it is. So let, let me take an example. Right, I'm a huge fan of the Uncharted games. One of my favorite game series of all time. I only recently played them with them in the past six months, um, or six or seven months. Um, but I beat them all in like rapid succession. I went one, two, three, four. Um, those games are very linear. And what I mean by linear is that the developers 
basically they make the world and you and they guide you on on like how it's playing and and you're still you know you're doing the shooting you're doing the climbing you're doing yeah. the puzzles and all that but the story is set it's not going to change like no matter when you what. die you respawn at a previous point but you're still mm-hmm. doing the same thing each time and it's kind of like exactly. it resets you backward and then you go forward and then it resets you backward and then you go forward there's yeah. no tangents or anything like that yeah exactly um so that's what I mean by linear in the sense of like, okay, you know, that story is going to remain unchanged. Right. However, you're still, you know, if you played Uncharted 4 and I played Uncharted 4, our stories would be the same. Mm-hmm. Like, we would both be like, oh, we could talk about these key moments and these cutscenes, you know. But our experience but the way would be we, different. Exactly. You know, for example, say you like, you just love... uh like assault rifle or you like you know you you're like the maybe or maybe you like sneaking around maybe you're like i am only going to sneak around and this is purely hypothetical this may not be true at all right but say you love sneaking around and i'm like the guy i'm like dude i'm going guns blazing i'm throwing grenades i'm swinging on ropes i'm shooting my ak like yeah and i'm getting in fist fights like that's how i play so it's like the the action and the um the pacing can be different and obviously there's there's moments in those games that are like they're still going like they force you to go into action, but there's a lot of cases and it's becoming a huge thing with games now is play the way you want to play. Exactly. And what's one game that got me really into that. Um, and it is arguably, I think it's in my top five games of all time. And that's a game by arcane studios called dishonored mm-hmm. and dishonored is. So it came out in 2012 and it is one of the most fascinating games I've ever played because it's not open world, but the levels are so open that you can play that game in so many different ways in a multitude of different fashions. I've played that game probably seven or eight times, and I've played it differently every single time. Yeah. So what's cool about it is you like the, there is the set, there's the world, and that and you know, that's defined, and there's the characters and all of that. But you do so much to change it. So the plot of Dishonored is basically, it's, think like Victorian London, mm-hmm. um, but it, except it's kind of steampunky, and, but it's not really, they don't use steam, they use whale oil, because like, that's like a big thing, what? it's like these whales, these whales basically have these massive amount of oil, yeah. and so they're like, they're slaughtering these whales, but that's like the source of power that's in that world. basically what they make lighthouse oil out of. Yes, yeah, Exactly. Um, so, but it's very, it's still fantasy, but also mixing in kind of like mechanical engineering and everything. So it's the closest thing I can relate it to is, is steampunk. But like when I play it, like it doesn't feel steampunk. It feels just so unique. Um, and the pitch is you are the royal bodyguard of, of the empress and the empress is assassinated and you're framed for her murder. You, you are in the care, like you, it's the entire game is first person you are defending it from the like from these assassins and then they throw you to the side this guy with superpowers and he kills the empress and they escape and everybody thinks you like you're you're there with her body as she's bleeding out and you're the one that's con- like basically convicted of of this murder yeah so what happens is a an external party of people break you out of jail and to basically they provide you with the needs of going to kill all of the corrupt officials that have basically um, they hired 
that assassin to kill the empress so that they could take control. And because they're all corrupt and sleazy. So you go through nine assassination targets, I believe, something Jeez. like that. Maybe it's like seven. And you're tasked with taking them out. The cool thing is, in this world, there is a god, but he's kind of a neutral god. He's not good. He's not evil. He's somewhere in between called the Outsider. And the Outsider gives you the Outsider's mark on your hand. And basically, that gives you the ability to have all of these powers. You can teleport. You can possess people. You can slow down time. You can summon an army of flesh-eating rats, which is, which is like there's a, there's a rat plague going on in the city. That's awesome. So, yeah, so you have all these things, and, and you have to slowly build up your powers, but yeah. you also have all these gadgets, like grenades and smoke bombs and spring razors and So is like the, is the, the core plot of the game, like, taking you essentially, like, on a boss ladder where you have to, like, go and kill? Yes, but it's, it's stealth action adventure, so you're an assassin, so you can play stealthy, but you don't have to play stealthy. Right. And another cool thing is you can go through the entire game and not kill a single soul that's stupid why would anybody do that oh i've done it before because it's what? super fun and super rewarding like it's so okay explain so to me how you go up a boss ladder where you have to kill bosses without killing bosses all right so i will so in the game like they, they lay it out like you're supposed to take out these targets not necessarily kill them but you need to get rid of them and this was something that was very late in development at arcane with these assassination targets originally it was going to just be you just kill everyone yeah well they wanted they they already had a non-lethal thing in place so you can choke out guards you can get sleep darts and things like that yeah and so make sure like everybody gets knocked unconscious but they were like it kind of sucks that you can just knock out everybody but you still have to kill the targets and they were like what if we came up with a way where you could take out all of the targets in a non-lethal manner that way you could go through the entire game and not not kill anyone if you if you wanted to play that way and i'll get into a second like why um, why they did that. So they went through all these ways and it's really, really cool. So basically you can go through and you can just kill everyone and make it that's that. So, but for an example, I'll give you for like the first three targets. So the first target is High Overseer Campbell. And High Overseer Campbell is the High Overseer of the religious, um, the religious cult that He's like the is Pope within. basically. Kind of, yeah. But see, the thing is, is these guys are very militarized as well. Right. And so they're all called the overseers, and they are the ones that, like, control, like, the doctrines and stuff connected to the outsider because that's, like, the main religion. Yeah. So you can kill that guy. But the alternative option is you can knock him out and put him in a chair, and you can put a branding mark on his face and what that branding mark does is it excommunicates him from the entire order in fact it makes him to where nobody will ever speak to him ever again and he is an untouchable basically so basically he goes work? from the highest point to the lowest point because that when you have that mark on your face that means you are you're basically scum like it's like leprosy so you, almost right yeah you like literally that's what i'm saying you're like you you are an untouchable um, wow. So so you can do that, and that's how you can take that guy out. And so he's done. Like And it's honestly a fate worse than death. The second two targets, they're twin brothers. Uh, Curtis and Morgan Pendleton, I believe, are their names. And they're these, like, snobby, like, big-eyed uh, twins that are just <laughs> jerks. Like, they literally they have, like, bulging eyes. They're just, like, they're just freaks. Ugh. 
And so they are like these aristocrats that have built their entire wealth through a um, through a mining guild. Basically, they own these mines in a different country, and they've made a ton of money off of it. Yeah. But the entirety of the mine is based off of slave labor. Of course. So they own all of these slaves. Yep. So, like I said, you can take them out. The other option, if you work with a gang, there's a, a, a guy named Lockjaw, and he is one of he is a leader of one of the gangs. Think Daniel Day Lewis, basically. Oh, that's like incredible. literally he like he like he looks like Daniel Day Lewis, and what he'll do is he'll just go take care of the whole thing for you. In fact, he'll go and, and he's going to cut off their tongue, shave their heads, and send them in boxes to their own mines so that nobody will ever recognize them again. What? And like they're slaves at their own mine. They're slaves at their own mine. That is poetic. Yes. It's amazing. That's so, fantastic. I like that. Yeah. So, and it, and it gets like even deeper than like the, it, and it's with every target. There is always a way to take out someone non-lethally. Yeah. Um, I believe in the first game, I didn't do the entire thing non-lethally, but I have done every assassination target non-lethally. Um, I kind of went through the game so and, and killed some people, but, like, I just didn't. I killed people that, like, sucked. Right. And, like, the other people, I was like, yeah, you're cool. Like, I'm not going to kill you. So the entire reason they implemented that feature, though, is because there's a chaos system. And, and the chaos system, so you can get high, low chaos, or high chaos or low chaos. Low chaos basically is at the end of every mission, they give you like a rating. Low chaos means you didn't kill anybody. You're not making the world a worse place. You have, you've li- limited the casualties to a minimum. Yeah. And there's not as many bodies for the rats to infect with the plague. So it's not going to spread the plague as much. Interesting. If you get high chaos, that means, dude, you went around and you killed like everybody. This is not going to leave a good footprint on the world. So if you continuously get high chaos, the ending you're going to get is really crappy and really dark. But if you get low chaos, the world is going to be a much better place. There's not going to be as many corpses and and not as many gangs running around and not as much um, poverty and violence and everything. Because you're basically, you are going through the world and taking out these guys without any tracks. And that's what I'm talking. And so that comes full circle to the whole thing of you shape how the story plays out. And and that game also like it is full of lore and decision making. Like there's all these little side like side missions that you can do so you can get more money and things like that. But they all like you shape that story and you'll see it later on. So one like one really cool thing is if nobody in the game ever sees you. So you you have this really cool mask. Like you have this scary looking mask right. on. And if nobody in the game ever sees you, the wanted poster will just be a black silhouette with a question mark being like wanted. That's awesome. But it, but if you get detected, then it's like a it's like a drawing of like you know you with the hood and the mask on and everything. Um, and they won't even know your name. They're just like we don't know who this guy is. He's just taking out people. Right. Like these people are just disappearing. Like so. That was that was the game I think that made me realize how dynamic storytelling could be in video games mm-hmm. and there's just so many examples and and it, it gets it like I think that's a game that's like it's not cinematic in the sense that like it has these awesome set action set pieces and like camera work and things because games like have that now right those games are more like the last of us red dead 2 yep the uncharted games and those are games that are very cinematic but they also have great gameplay um so that's kind of the thing for me that makes 
video games such a great medium and distinguishes it is that you're integrating gameplay and the player into the story, making the story personalized and 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 possibly even an entirely different outcome. Then there's games like you know the Telltale games, which are you games that are more or less. Yeah, they're like those are games that you're not really doing much gameplay. There are like some quick time events and stuff, and some moments where you walk around. But for the most part, you are making decisions to build up or tear down relationships within the world. Yep, and that will quite literally change how the entire game plays out. There are some set beaten path, like it is a path that you will go on, but it is a branching path of like you're gonna go in the same spot, but like how you got to that spot. Like, say, for example, at the end of episode two or something like that um, for The Walking Dead, you're at a motel mm-hmm. and everybody's, like, starving. And um, and you can, totally, you can have, like, a totally different crew of living survivors in that game and people who like you and people who don't, depending on your decisions. And some people may, like, starve and some people may not. And I, and I haven't played it in a while, so that may, be, may not be entirely accurate, but that's, like, a good example of it. Yeah. So are those Dead games... Season 2, it got even crazier, where it's like, oh, my God, like, this ending is so different from what you had. You're, like, you're, you know, all the way over here, and I'm all the way in, like, Virginia. Like, Right. <laughs> so I've never played a Telltale game. Mm-hmm. Is it fun to basically be watching a video game movie where you kind of, like, press A every 30 minutes? Is it... You have to be in the right mindset for it. So, like, I'm not like a game. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to like go home and like have a like, like have some chocolate and play like play a Telltale game like and and have like a great time. Right. But like, if I want to have like a really good story, or I'm like, oh, I want to see how this story goes. Like, I'm really invested in the, in these characters, and I am one of the characters. Like, I want to see it. And those are some of the most emotional games I've ever played because they're so dynamic in their storytelling. Yeah. And those games got quite a bit of hate from some people because the people didn't think they were really games. They were like, these aren't really video games because they don't have like a whole lot of gameplay. And I'm like, well, the emphasis on those games is not the gameplay, it's the story. Yep. So if you really love stories, you're going to like that game. But if you're someone who like, you know, enjoys gameplay more than story. And so, and there's a lot of times you'll see games that will sacrifice one for the other. But I think there's a lot of games like the ones that I mentioned, Dishonored, um, Uncharted, Last of Us, uh, there's God of War 2018, um, Spider-Man, uh, the Borderlands games, yes. the Halo games. Uh, those are all games that have great gameplay and great stories. And those, I often think, are the ones that are loved, beloved by most. Are It's like, wow, that was a great story, and that was so fun to play. Yeah. Granted, The Walking Dead, the first season got Game of the Year in 2012, which blows my mind because that was the same year that Dishonored and Borderlands 2 came out. And Borderlands 2 is one of the greatest stories I've ever played. I also think it was the same year Portal 2 came out. Borderlands (laughs) 2 was the first, like, non-sports game I played all the way through. Oh, so you played Borderlands 2. Yeah. I played it through twice. I had a buddy in high school who was in love with that game. And Mm. I remember I went over to his house... Um, and he was playing this game and I was like, what in the crap is that? And, uh, it's so stylized. It is. And I really liked the way it looked and I liked the way it played and just kind of like the whole concept of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I bought it and I played it in like four or five days. Yeah. Um, I just, it's so big. I did the same thing. Yeah. I didn't sleep. And that might've been like one of the two games that I've ever played like that. 
Like normally, mm. I don't do that. Yeah, I don't play I story or gameplay based games generally at mm-hmm. all. Um, I do them a little bit, but it, it's it's typically just not my thing. I don't know why. It's yeah. just never really been my cup of tea. But there have been a few games like Borderlands Two, Skyrim, um, games like that that I will go back and play over and over and over again. I typically mm-hmm. don't branch out to other games like Dishonored, Uncharted, anything like that. Um, yeah. I do want to play God of War 2018, though. Yeah, but yeah, I have not finished that game, but that game has, I mean, from the, I think I played about 12 to 15 hours, probably more like 10, uh, and it was it was really well done. It's very cinematic, but, like, it's one of those games that just, like, it's so fun to play yeah. and really fleshes out the character and the world and the stories. And you being the fantasy buff that you are, Will I can get into it. a really big dude with a deep voice kicking the crap out of people. Yeah, with an axe. With a That's one of the coolest axe. things of that game. It's like you throw an axe, like you can throw the axe and you can recall it just like Thor does, you know? Yeah. Like you press the left trigger and you go like that. And it's just like, it's so fun to like throw it out in the woods and then just like pull it back. You just hear it clanking everything like clunk, 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 boom, like that. It's just, that's so dope. It's awesome. Yeah, like it's like the best Thor game, even though it's not Thor at all. Yeah. Um, so what do you personally. If you, if you could describe in like two minutes what you want your ideal game to be, what would what would your ideal game be? Like like in terms of how it's structured, would it be like okay, um, like what's the give and take between gameplay, genre, um, the type of story you're getting? What do you really want in like your perfect game? That is a very loaded question, so I'm not going to try to go too deep into that other than the fact that like I like a lot of different genres of games, but I often find myself gravitating to um, mo- mostly action games and lately a lot of third-person action games, but I'm also pretty inclined to first-person. Yeah. Um, most of the games that I play are usually... I want to say they're fa- fantasy-oriented, but like not really. Like I play a lot of... Um, like Red Dead 2 is probably one of my favorite games of all time the Uncharted games, the Halo games um, Assassin's Creed, I was a big fan of that for a while um, because I just thought that was such a cool world um, to explore and like the way it connected to history was so fascinating to me Um, and my tastes change a lot Yep. when I was a kid I used to just like love open world games and I and I still love, I still do, I still do. The problem is, is lately, because there has been such an oversaturation of open world games, it can kind of get a little draining or a tiresome, I guess. Yeah. In the sense that, like, okay, because I, I get distracted very easily. So, for example, like, Red Dead 2 was probably the last open world game that, like, I really went all out in. And that was one of the reasons why I kind of stopped on God of War because God of War is open world. It, it's it's not as like you know a big open landscape. It's like kind Assassin's of open Creed, world. right? Where it's open world, but it's kind of like directed open world. Yeah, even I would. Yeah, I would say it's even more directed than Assassin's Creed. But okay. yeah, um, but I mean, because when I played Assassin's Creed, like I'd go free roam all the time in that game. But God of War is one of those games that's like, oh, I thought this was going to be more linear than it actually was. Yeah. And there's a lot of collectibles and side challenges and stuff. But Red Dead 2 was the last one that I played that was like truly open world. And that was because I'm just I'm just a diehard Red Dead fan and I love Westerns. And I wanted to see how the story would play out. So, and I beat that story pretty quickly. Like I would say only a few hours over the the 
average time. The average time for the Red Dead 2 campaign is 85 hours, which is crazy for a Yikes. game that cinematic. Yeah. But it's so well done. And so I, I did a lot of side quests to help elevate those things. There's, because there's really deep character moments in the side quests that I almost feel like they, I feel like the only reason they made them side quests is because they, basically it was like you know if you're editing a movie like you don't need this but like you can go back and watch it later and it'll help add to the story but it's not necessary right and that's basically what those side quests are but there's a lot of those that i'm like there was one that i played in particular that i thought i was like i'm sorry but this is too beautiful not to be like you that, that it's just a side quest but it really helps fleshes out uh arthur's character and even in the first game john john marston's character um so lately nowadays i've been gravitating to games that are a bit more linear in their style and that like okay i can probably beat it in this amount of hours and it really it doesn't hold my hand like i still am playing like and having to challenge myself yeah but i'm not like getting lost in the world like they're usually the worlds will be open and there's ways to tackle it but like i can if i grind through it like i can do and i'm not missing everything because i'm someone like like i said i like to explore and I, i get very invested so there's this one game that developed by arcane studios as well and it was the the future ip after dishonored because they did dishonored one dishonored two then they did this game is prey and prey is one of those games that like it is it's not open world because it's not really a world it's like you're in a space station and you have like free reign of the space station but like as you go through like more and more you unlock more areas and and it's very like it's very systematic in its gameplay okay but that was a game that like it was funny. I, I was telling a friend, I was like, okay, it's, I love how I can sit down and play the last of us for two hours and have made like a decent way into the game. But if I played two hours of prey, i have like, okay, I unlocked this door. Like, it's just one of those things. And it, it's fun, but it's one of those games that like, and there's so like, there's so many corners to explore that like, you can't like, if you're going straight through it, you're missing so much and you're going to be at a disadvantage. Like you can't, it's a game you can't rush through. And that was like a game that was very overwhelming. I'm like, I want to go back and play that game. But God, it was so much. Whereas Red Dead 2 didn't feel like that. I felt like I was very naturally progressing. Yeah. And it's not like a bad thing, whatever. Dude, that I was another reason around why I, in Red Dead 2 so much. Yeah, you need to beat the story, honestly. Like, you you know, you can still screw around, but also, like, do the story, heard, too. Because like, that's what I did. I only screw around. Like, I just run around and kill people. I'll yeah, be which is a huge disservice because of the huge Western fan that you are. You I know. need to desperately you should just start over i feel like and just like and commit to the story and the side quests and like play that game like play like i don't encourage playing red dead like well play it the way you want but personally i don't encourage playing red dead 2 in where you are a bad guy because i feel like what i am I feel like the arc of the character is just completely sabotaged between missions you're just like murking everyone in entire towns and then it's just like oh yeah like i helped this guy on his horse in this one mission after he fell off a cliff it's like that doesn't make any sense like you like there's no way he would save him (laughs) he would just let him die he would let the horse die like he wouldn't care so that is one fault with that whole thing is like but even if you if if you play the game bad you're going to get negative consequences like there you know it will catch up to you yeah i definitely Um, have had and it's probably a good idea to restart it i think i'm and this is probably bad, but I'm like 25% of the way through the main story. And I've probably played the game like 25 hours and maybe not, let's put, not a lot of it 
has been spent on the main story. I'm the guy who likes going into this, the towns and just murking people. Um, See, that's just, that's like, I do that on the online mode with my friends because yes. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I, do that I don't do it in the single player because I'm like, in the single player, I want to be immersed. I want to go yeah. like hunting. I want to go bounty hunting. I want to go, like, I want this world to be, I feel like I'm living in it, whereas online feels a little bit more stale and it's not like as is, is much going on. And in that, I'm just like, dude, I don't care. Like, die, die, die. Yeah. Like, you know, Maybe just I'm just a little, little messed up in the head, but. Oh, yeah, you definitely are. Well, <laughs> in that case. Um, but. With all that being said, I'll try to wrap this up. In terms of like games that you know I like, I I think that's why I've gravitated to the Uncharted games so much. Is that those are games that, especially Uncharted Four, I thought was the perfect blend of it was like a action drama. Yeah, it developed the characters so much better than the first three, and they learned a lot from the development of The Last of Us, which was so story driven. It was like a total one eighty from the previous Uncharted games, because um, they made The Last of Us in between Uncharted Three and Four. Okay. It's the same make, um, the same developers, right? Naughty Dog, yeah. Um, Naughty Dog, and yeah, they're, Naughty they, they're Dog. A, they're a old school PlayStation uh, company. Okay. They made Jack and Daxter, and um, I don't even know what the heck that is. They make, yeah, it's a it's a that's an older one as well. Um, but yeah, I gravitated to those games because they were such a great blend of action and gameplay, but also just like great characters, and they had that like freedom of how you wanted to play. Um, and, but the story was like something I'm like, if I sit down here for a couple of days, I can beat the story. And, right. um, and sometimes that's what it takes is as I've gotten older is I'm like, I have to like kind of sit down and just like go, just get like, get through it. Not in a negative way, but like, if I force myself to play it, I will start to, like, I will enjoy it. And I'm like, okay, I'm really glad I did that. You know? Right. And I'm someone that I'm also like very like I, you know, with my checklist where I'm like, I want to get this done and this done and this done and this done and, and try not to get sidetracked. Yeah. Um, See, I play so, video games very differently than you do. I'm realizing through this uh, episode because mm-hmm. the way I approach video games is fundamentally different. I pretty much only play video games to kind of like vegetate. Um, it's essentially to give my brain a rest from other mm-hmm. things. And maybe that's why I play sports games because I can truly just get on there and just mindlessly that, yeah. just kind of like do stuff and not even think about yeah. it. Um, whereas when I play a story, like I have to be mentally in tune Invested. with what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's also why I play Red Dead the way I do. Cause I just run around and do random oh, crap yeah. and I don't, you don't think, I don't about think it, about yeah. it. I, there's an exception though with Skyrim. See now though, I've played that like three times through. And so now it's like, I just kind of do stuff mindlessly, but I so did yeah, play I that Skyrim one religiously. Yeah, no, I'm in the same way. So I played Skyrim the way I did it. Is I have about I have I've made a lot of characters and I put like well over 1,100 hours in that game and I've gotten all the achievements and and whatnot. But um, Skyrim was a game that I like. I beat this main story like I've only beat the main story like once or twice. I feel like I think throughout I beat it all twice. of my characters. But most of the time, I just comp- like as soon as I get out of Helgen, I'm like I'm going off to do my own thing. I'm going to jo- yep. I'm going to join the Dark Brotherhood. I'm going to join the college of winterhold like i will form a character around a guild or a specific job like yep. that's what i do and there's a great mod uh, for anyone who's interested um it's called um live another life and basically what you do is instead instead of waking up in the the wagon in uh in skyrim on the way to helgen um you wake up in a 
a prison cell, you create your character, yeah. and then you go up to a statue, and she asks, like, who you are. And you have all these options. You can be like, uh, I'm a sailor from, another, uh, from like, another province. I'm a bandit. I'm, um, awesome. I'm a hunter out in the woods. I'm an assassin for the Dark Brotherhood. I'm a thief for the Thieves Guild. I'm... Um, so does it already do, like, okay, if you bar, say you know? I am in the Thieves Guild, does it already, like, have that quest backlogged? Like, you've already done it? No, so basically what you do is it'll spawn you with the gear of the Thieves Guild and Ooh. you but you're about but you're like basically in the initiation process of that. Like you That's start off like yeah, so basically it's like in an, it makes that like your your whole thing. Yeah. So I remember one time I I chose I'm like um I was on this I was beaten on the side of the road and left for dead. Like I think that was what I did once and I woke up and I was like I had half my health. I had like nothing left like but like an apple and like a knife. That's so cool. And 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 I just shaped like a whole story like in my head obviously. It's not but like of this whole thing of like oh I was attacked and on the side of the road and now I have to like kind of sh- find my like you know shape my own life. Right. Um, and, and not have these parameters of being the dragonborn. And obviously with that whole mod you can choose one option and it just be like do you get the uh, whole like th- dragon soul absorption thing when when you're not the dragonborn in that mod? Like if you choose you not to be dragonborn, do you still get the powers? Yeah, of you won't you like you won't get it until you go actively like find the main quest. Okay. Yeah. So basically, like you can choose just not to be the dragonborn, which is what I've done in many cases because it's really fun because there's just no dragons around. Like that's pretty. Which dope. I know is like I. Which I know people are like, that's the whole point of Skyrim, and I'm like, well, I mean, kind of. After you've dealt really. with so many dragons, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like can, there's so much more to Skyrim than just killing dragons and making dragon bone armor yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So basically, it's like you're living in Skyrim, but not like the events of the main quest, which I think is honestly one of the more uh, cool. mediocre parts of the the game. I mean, in grand comparison of like, if I'm go- if if you told me like what i preferred in skyrim would be like yeah the 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 guild quests like those stories the are guild so much quests more fascinating. and the dlcs are really really freaking yeah. good the, yeah like dawn guard dawn guard like, is that's incredible. an option you can choose you can be like i'm a vampire at vocal Volk- castle or i'm a member of the dawn guard like you can just do that yeah or you can even say like i'm a there's one option that's like i'm a part of the penitus oculatus which is basically like the special security force that like protects the emperor and actively hunts the dark brotherhood and you can just go kill the dark brotherhood which is already in the main game but like that's so cool dude which, which is one of my favorite things because i used to be like a diehard dark brotherhood fan and now i'm someone i'm like oh my god they're satanists they're yeah, like definitely. straight up like and I, and I remember as a kid i was like yes dark brotherhood assassins right because i just like i had an obsession with assassins as a kid and i still think assassins are cool but like as i got older i was like oh god the dark brotherhood is so demonic they have this like old witch lady in like a yep. tomb and they're all like uh like the blood of sithis right and i'm like oh my These it's weird straight up it's really Satan weird worshipers yeah but it's cool though because um, it's like there's just there's so many ways you can go about doing it and um, oh yeah and having that as an option is kind of cool even though it is super whack and uh you know maybe not something you should let your mom know you're doing but yeah it's pretty great okay so we're at 58 minutes so i'm going to just say this right here definitive statement so we can move on to comic books and i'm going to try to make comic books snappy because it's basically an extension of regular books yep um for video games what makes them so different if you didn't listen to anything that i just said it is that you as the player are helping shape the story and living in the world, and that's what makes it so dynamic. 100%. That's basically the that, that is the overall theme of like most video games is like you're telling your own story. 
even if it is a pre-existing story, like you, you are a part of that story. Yeah. So that's why video games are freaking awesome. So let's move on to comic books. Comic books, as Josh knows, I am also a huge fan of comic books. Yeah. Now I am not the guy at the comic book store that collects all the action figures and has every single uh, trade back and paperback of every single issue since 1975. Right. Um, however, I do have a pretty good knowledge about superheroes, and I have read comics from a very young age. Do I read every comic? No. But the thing, the thing, what's awesome about comics is comics kind of started off as this thing basically made for kids and more or less they were books with pictures they were these these things that had panels and they showed the action but i think that's the beauty of comic books is that you get that wonderful art yeah and you're still getting almost everything you would from a normal book but you're like but so it's you're still getting the dialogue though Right, it's a simplified version of a book, so you're still getting, like, you know, there's the thought bubbles, right? And there are, like, the, the things that are, like, the monologues, even, like, with Watchmen and V for Vendetta, where they, like, in, in regular comic books, where they say, like, there's a character kind of narrating what's going on, you know? Yeah. You're still getting the dialogue, but you have these, like, awesome... The story is being told through these wonderful artists that can just, like... You, like, some of your favorite comics, like... that. So that... Let me, let me backtrack a bit. There are some amazing comic book stories out there. There is one, in, like, there's, I'm going to use two as comparison. They're both DC. The first one is Batman Hush. That one is a great story because it introduces a brand new Batman villain that became pretty iconic, and it was in 2002. And when I thought about, like, how, I was like, oh, my, Hush is that new? Like, I never realized that Hush came out in 2002. And basically, Hush is a guy who's like, he's in like these mummy bandages thing. Mm -hmm. And he was a childhood friend of Bruce Wayne, and like started to impersonate him. And he's become a pretty big Batman villain. So he's been around for 18 years. But like, that seems so shocking to me, because I was like, that's really short compared to like other main villains for Batman. Of course, like Joker and Two-Face and Penguin, you know, the iconic ones. Classics. Um, But Jim Lee does the art for that comic book. Can I do a little aside on Jim Lee? Oh, so you okay? So you're familiar yes. with Jim Lee's work? Okay, I I'm not a massive comic book fan. I've probably I could probably count on two hands the number of comic books I've actually read in the past ten yeah. years. Not yeah. a massive comic book guy, but I'm a huge fan of art and artists. Mm-hmm. And so on YouTube, I watch Jim Lee doing art demonstrations regularly. He is so incredible. Um, and in fact, I, I taught myself how to draw Batman when I was probably like 15 using a Jim Lee video. Um, cause he would do the, he does those quick sketches like Mm -hmm. with just like ink, essentially he does quick ink sketches, um, at cons and things like that. And I always thought it was so fascinating how he'd be like, yeah, so you do a little, like little this and a little of that. And all of a sudden it's like, that is Batman's silhouette right there. Yeah. Jim Lee is incredible. Yeah. So cool. He's probably one of the most talented artists I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. He's, and he's definitely one of the most recognizable in the modern age of, of comic books yeah. and just artists in general. Um, and honestly, the way comic book art has changed over the years is so cool, too. But that that can honestly, it you know, the art can help tell the story just as much. Yes. So what I was saying with Batman Hush is I'm like, okay, Jim Lee's art style is very, like, gritty yes. and detailed. And Lots it feels, of re- it feels realistic, but also in the sense of, like, the comic book, like, 
it just it's like frank miller's art but it's a little bit less blocky and it's more proportional but the hatching is really intense yeah yeah and also frank miller's art sucks i don't like frank miller's art at all but see that's another thing is like personal taste is like i love frank miller's stories i don't like his art and um i really like his stories and his art so i i just think his art is just like it's just a little too bone dry i don't know what like it's just it's just weird um i can see that it, but it but it's the thing is like it's just all up to personal taste so the other example i was going to say is there's all there's a famous superman story called all-star superman and i won't get into the specifics of the story or anything but i don't remember the name of the artist for all-star superman i'm going to look it up right now because i want to give him credit because he is a good artist but like that's that art like there was some parts where like they were making faces and everything. Mm -hmm. And it like, it just, it made me not like the story as much because I think the story was really well done. And I, they did an animated movie and I love the style of the animated movie. Okay. So the writer was Grant Morrison. He's a very famous uh, comic book writer and he did the killing joke and everything like that. But the artist was Frank Quitely, or uh, yes, Quitely is his I name. I've never heard of and, him. And um, it's just, it's just odd. It's just a weird, weird version of it. And I don't think his art is bad. And I don't think anybody's like comic book art is bad. Like it's all up to personal taste. But that's one thing is that that can shape that. And so the overlying message of that, right, is you, you know, the writers make make a huge impression. If you've got a writer like Jeff Johns or, yeah. um. Uh, even Grant Morrison, like these people that like really know how to write their stories, that's going to be great. But you also want to have the right artist for the job, correct? And if you have a if you have a great combo of artists, or if you have someone who is a writer and an artist, even better. Yeah, like, but even more than they like can getting the, story. the right artist, like you need the artist that their style fits the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're like you know if you're reading a comic book that's like really hyper stylized and really colorful and vibrant. Um, and, and maybe even lighthearted, it's not, you know, 13 year olds, um, like it's like for 13 year olds or, or, or younger, yeah. right. Then you may want to go for someone a bit more, you know, softer edges and, and, you know, um, poppier colors. And, um, yeah. Almost like manga or some kind of style like that. It's mm-hmm. just a little yeah. bit more kid friendly ish. Right. I don't know. Um, I remember, so there's one, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, um, so my favorite Marvel superhero is Spider-Man, but my favorite, my two favorite DC heroes are uh, Superman and Batman Beyond. Okay. And uh, and Batman Beyond is kind of what got me into cyberpunk as a genre because it's like basically cyberpunk Batman. Yep. And there is a comic that I read that when they rebooted Batman Beyond for the New 52, and I picked up the first volume trade back, and I remember the art was so cool because it was like this is like Blade Runner 2049 with the color style and the edges are you know not as they're like they're they're kind of sharp but they're not like sketchy like sketchy kind of like uh Jim Lee is right um and it just it just was so cool I was like I could watch a show of this you know um and that was just it helped elevate the story even more is like seeing these laser blasts and these purples and pinks and blues and yeah. with like the contrast of like the black and red of the suit. It was just and like the reflections on the black of the suit. That's another thing is like you you just have a whole lot of liberties and, and it's it kind of gets into like, you know, 
like animated shows versus regular shows is it's like it's like you know a regular show would be your regular book where an animated show would be like your, your comic, comic book. book yeah where it's like it's really visual like it's uh, your eyes are such a huge part of it and and that's not to say that they aren't for for other for like live action medium stuff too because you can you can stylize live action brilliantly yeah but so do you feel like um, and this is a little bit of a tangent but do you feel like comics lend themselves to like animated tv shows really well because i've yeah i've found well, absolutely yeah so i found like okay uh batman the animated series felt like i mean it was just like a it was a comic arc you got there was batman mm-hmm. beyond show um I love that one. Um, you, I mean, you have comic books that are strictly adapted into oh, the, animated. I mean, like a lot of com- – right. I mean, you've got um, so many Spider-Man shows. You've got Teen Titans, Young Justice, the Justice League. Yeah, and um, often they've got the exact same art style from the comic book, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Like Batman yeah. Year One is one of my favorite um, animated movies. Um, right. And Killing Joke. Yeah. Killing Joke might actually be my favorite, but – Year one, I remember, because uh, I read the comic before I watched the quote-unquote movie, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this, this is cool, you know, this is cool. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the movie, and it was really, really interesting how it looked and felt like the comic book, but just brought right. to life with motion. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, yeah. And Red and, and Hood it, was the same way for me. Yes, I was about to say, Under the Red Hood. Although I believe... I don't know who did the original art for Under the Red Hood, but I remember like that was like the animated movie that had a I, I love the style of yeah. that, yeah, because it just fit really well with what they were going for. Um, I mean, I think that whole question is like history shows that they clearly do because literally old cartoons were people sketching out yep. pictures. Yep. It was literally like a people sketch, sketch, flip a book, and that was how you did it, you know. Yep. Um, so and now with animation, it's like well they're just they're just drawing it in a computer, you know. Yep. With you know shows like Avatar: The Last Airbender and everything like that, which aren't comic books, but like they, that kind of gets into the whole thing of like mangas, which are under the umbrella of comic books. Yeah. Um, mangas and animes as well. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, comic books are pretty cool. Comic books are great. Books. I actually didn't read superhero comic books to start. I read the first comic what book I ever read first? was a comic book about Spartacus. Um, that's cool yeah it was dope and I didn't even read any of the crap in the the, the word boxes what are, what are those mm-hmm. they got a name text box text, or, I, mean, anyway. or like, I never read any of that stuff I just looked at the pictures and I flipped through it and yeah. I remember I was at a library I and I sat there reading that thing for like an hour and my mom was like yo we, we gotta go and I was like <laughs> no this dude's about to kill this guy and yeah. it's sweet let me yeah. you know let me finish I remember the the coolest thing that I figured out was when I went to my mom taught at a middle school. And I remember the coolest thing that I figured out is you could rent that or that you could check out. They had, they had comic books and graphic novels at the library. And I was like, what? No, because so for the preface, what got me into comic books was, I mean, I was, I've always been into superheroes and stuff, but I started reading comics when I was around like seven or eight, Mm -hmm. maybe even like six because they did these things called, um, well, they did these like small, like uh, short comics um, called Marvel Adventures, and they still do them to this day. They're made for younger readers. Um, and now I totally appreciate like why comic book companies do that stuff because it, it totally can get a kid into comic books. Yeah. And so I remember I, I have, I still have every single one that I've ever kept. I've had, I have Iron Man, Hulk, Spider Man, Fantastic Four, uh, X Men. 
Um, and I think I have some Batman and Superman ones as well, even though DC didn't do them as much. And I even have some like really obscure ones. Like there's a there's a team of heroes called the Power Pack. What? That's like yeah, and it's like these kids that are in the Marvel universe. And I remember so it was it's a like... Power Pack Spider Man crossover. And what happened is Spider Man ended up de aging and turning into like a twelve year old kid. And he had to figure out like how to how to get back to being older. So he teamed up with the Power Pack as a kid. They made him a costume and everything. And it was really interesting because they're fighting like the Vulture and stuff. Because what had happened is in the comics, for if you don't know, Vulture that's one thing that they cut out in like the movies is Vulture is always trying to get young again because he's like this really old geezer. So Homecoming, Homecoming does not do this justice to the, the character of Vulture. Right. But he's this old guy, like this 70-year-old guy, and he's always like, oh, I want to get – like I'm trying to get youthful again. And that was a big thing. And so what happened is like Spider-Man ended up falling in the same thing, and, and he ended up getting really young because he's like you know 23, and he, just, he de-aged like 10 years, and he's like – uh, I'm 12 now, <laughs> so but he still has his superpowers and everything. Yeah, but it was really cool. And then eventually, like he goes back to normal, and he's like, "Thanks, Power Pack," and all of that. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, it was it was a fun time. And I remember I learned a lot about like the Incredible Hulk as well. Like, there's a whole deeper mythos to that character, and like all these side characters that I'm like, oh man, they need to really embrace that in the movies. Yeah, um, and it's hard they, to do that really though because to. comics have been. They're, they've been po- let's they're let's just say this they've been popular since the 60s oh and yeah. probably even you could make an argument they were even popular before that they've been like comics have been a thing for a really long time even further back than that but they've been popular mm-hmm. since the 60s yeah and so there's so much time they were even popular in like the 30s and 40s when they first came out with like Superman and Captain America yeah. and Batman right yeah I mean like yeah. I'm saying like mainstream like Oh, yeah. Big time populars for a really long time. So they've created mm-hmm. so many stories and retconned and created more stories and retconned and created more stories. Yep. There's almost yep. an infinite number of stories for every major character. And so and these it, movies, I mean, they can't do these characters mm-hmm. justice because there's so much lore behind them. Right. There's no way they could include all of that in movies. And even like, okay, That's, Iron Man, uh, Robert mm-hmm. Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, he's been in, what, like 10 Marvel movies, and they haven't even scratched yeah, the surface chunk. of all of his storylines from comics. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they've definitely, like, they teased some and, and certain things like that. But, I mean, Iron Man and Spider-Man is one that's, like, they they have so many stories. They have that, so like, many. They will, well, they'll, nev- they'll never get to them all. No. And that's what pe- people will get mad because they're like, well, the Marvel Universe, you know, they're not accurately doing this character. And I'm like, well, you have to realize there is so much content for that character. And there have been so many people who have wrote that character that your version of, say, the Incredible Hulk will not be the same as somebody else's version of Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I I love the, the skinnier Bruce Banner, the one that's really nerdy. He's got the glasses. He's a really shy um and and is really afraid of the like the monster within himself and i really loved edward norton's portrayal i was like okay yeah this guy like looks like bruce banner right and so when mark ruffalo came in i was like eh, and i i like mark ruffalo but then it was like okay well that's not like you know the comics that i read but that's not to say that there aren't comics that are that uh aren't like mark ruffalo's cuz there are um yeah there's so there's it's a bunch all of different based on, like, iterations of every character 
that's the biggest thing with Spider-Man is people are always like, okay, well, Tobey Maguire's is closest to the original Stan Lee, Steve Ditko run where he's like, you know, he's, he is a nerd nerd, right? Like right. he is this goofy guy who's like, hello. Like, and, <laughs> and he's just like, for nobody who couldn't see, I pretty much just like did this dumb smile and like wave. Yep. <laughs> um, cause I forget we, people can't see the whole thing. Um, and then Andrew Garfield is more like the modern day Spider-Man where yeah. he's like, he's a bit cooler and everything, but like, he's still, he's an outcast. That's yep. kind of the biggest thing is Spider-Man trends into that. And then you have Tom Holland, Spider-Man where that's more like the ultimate comics, which was a huge, huge part of my life as a kid. And why I, I love Tom Holland's performance as Spider-Man, but there's all, he also has some, some problems, but they, oh, I'm not going to get into that. Go check out Comic Blast. I'm sure you'll hear about it at some point. I've talked about it before. Yes, um, we've talked about it a bunch on Comic but, Blast. But, you know, that's the version of Spider-Man where he's like, he's like 15, right? He's a, he's still a kid. And that's and, and so I'm totally cool with there being different interpretations of that. I digress. That's a whole different discussion on comic book movies and interpretations and another thing of adaptations and all that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I... I have talked enough about comic books, I would say, because where are we at now? We are at an hour and 15, and we still have TV, TV shows, shows to do. This one, I'm excited about this. Um, TV shows, for me, for a long time, were kind of, I was indifferent towards them. Mm-hmm. And then the past five years or so, TV shows have upped the ante to an unbelievable level. Um, and it's really crazy how much they've changed in, in a short amount of time. Yeah, I feel like TV shows before, let's say like before 10 years ago, were really just kind of like serialized different types of things. Um, mm-hmm. You had like cop shows, which are still massively popular. But it was like cop shows, doctor shows. Um, and I mean, there's other sort of things like that. I and mean, TV shows started out as being just kind of like this, it was like a radio show, right? Where you, you would tune in every week and it was these characters going up against this villain or, fa- or you know, if it's a sitcom, it's like they're in this situation. Yeah. And they could go on forever because they would just put them in these infinite situations. They would recycle them. Right. And it, and they weren't necessarily, they're, they weren't episodic per se. Right. Like they had episodes. They were serial, but they right. were not episodic. Yep. So it was like you could just watch one and then skip a few and then watch one and you wouldn't be losing much, you know. Right. And then that's and then that started to change and now like you said within the past 5 to 10 years TV shows like I remember I was talking to my dad specifically and he was like I remember when it was he told me like it back in the day or back in the day I said my dad's not that old but he was like you didn't have to worry about like missing an episode. Right. You didn't have to, you know, oh, I need to catch up on this season to get to this season or the new season or the new episode. Like, I'm behind. Yep. You didn't really have to worry about spoilers or anything like that. It was like, you know, you just watched it and you just enjoyed it. Yep. And now it's like, I, know, I remember when we were watching the CW shows for a, for a while when I did that, kind of going back to comic books and, and whatnot. Even with that, despite, like, your opinions on them, I don't really love those shows and I don't watch them anymore. But they were something of like, oh, if you don't, there were there were there'd be filler episodes, but every episode had something to contribute to like to an overarching story. plot. Yeah, and so it's like if you miss that, and you're like, wait, what? Like, yep. And the, and it gets even bigger with shows like which I'm sure you're going to talk about, but shows like Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, yep. um, Mr. Robot, Dexter, like you know those shows that like you you hear all the time, um, even things like. Stranger Things and House of Cards and whatnot. Like, those are shows which, granted, like, a lot, you know, a good chunk of those have been streaming service things. But, like, you think of all those, and those are like, okay, they're much more cinematic and they're episodic. Yep. 
Yeah, so I've, I feel like there's a couple different ways you can slice uh, TV shows. Um, a, re- a recent thing has been limited series, which to me are just like long movies. Yeah, um, basically. The consummate, the movie's broken up. Yeah, the consummate uh, example of that is a show called Godless. And I don't know if you've seen it. Is that the one that has David Tennant and... Is it David Tennant? No. Um, um, it's got... What? Okay, it's not Jim Carrey. What's the other guy from Dumb and Dumber? I, I'm blanking on his name right now. It's like Jeff something. It is Jeff something. It's not Jeff Bridges. I keep wanting to say Jeff Bridges, but it's not. It's. I thought it was like... Je- uh, I want to say Jeff Dunham, but that, nope. no, that's not it. Dunham. No, it's not him. <laughs> um, Godless, you said? Yeah, okay, so... It's, you would love it if you haven't seen it. Oh, okay. I was thinking of a totally different show. Yes. Jeff Daniels. Daniels. With a D. That's what it yes. is. Daniels. Okay, so it's a Western. Ooh, it's okay. like seven or eight episodes, uh, and that's it. Like, there's no season two, part two, anything like that. It is. You get the eight episodes, and that, that's the story. Mm-hmm. It is so good. And I remember it came out on Netflix maybe two years ago. It might have been three years ago. 2017. Okay. I remember it came out, and I was talking with my dad about it before I watched it. And I was like, I wonder, you know, I don't, I didn't know what to expect from it. It wasn't super hyped coming into it. Mm -hmm. And I watched it, and maybe it's because it was a Western. That probably had, I probably liked it infinitely more because it was a Western. We do love our Westerns. We do love our Westerns. But my God, was that story so good. Um, and is it, and it was limited. Yeah. It's limited series. There's only a a single part one run of like seven or eight episodes and that's it. It's essentially a really long movie. And Jeff Daniels is so freaking good as the villain in that show. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like that still probably is the best example of long form movie Mm -hmm. turned limited series TV show kind of thing. Wow. Great, great show. Can't recommend it enough. It's it's better than Game of Thrones. I'm gonna have to I'm putting it on the list. Yes. Fantastic. So you have that. You have the limited series. So wait, let me say let me take it back. You said it's better than Game of Thrones. Yes. Okay, so so for example for to fully preface this, I'm kinda of segueing this into something. Sorry to cut you off. But um so I have not seen Game of Thrones, but I I know how Game of Thrones ran its course, and I know yeah. it didn't end well. Yeah. So and that's something that like I kind of want to. Yeah, here's the way I, I can describe it. Um, there's a quote in um, the Dark Knight that kind of mm-hmm. encapsulates what happened to Game of Thrones, where it says, "I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain." Where yeah. shows either end. In a, in a feasible amount of time, or they run long enough that they become crap. Basically, there's two examples of this that I can think of. Breaking Bad ends the most perfect, per, like, perfect way. Perfect. It ended so uh, well it, they made more like the post-Breaking uh, Bad stuff because it ended so perfectly. They were like, oh, yeah, there's more stuff here. We're going to make more. They made a Breaking Bad yes. movie. So they made a movie, and even then, that movie ends, and you're like, okay, that was like that was still wasn't too much, right, you know? Right. Like it, it, and it's more of an extension. Like you don't have to watch that if you don't want to, unless you want to know more about what happens to Jesse. No spoilers for Breaking Bad because I know a lot of people have not seen it. Please, please watch Breaking Bad. It is one of my favorite shows of all time. Could not recommend it enough. Like uh, Vince Gilligan, 
dude, what a writer. He, he, oh man, he knows his stuff. The alternative of that is The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. Oh, dear God. Walking Dead is the worst one out of it by, yes. by far because that is a show that is on like season 10 or 11 and it should have ended seven seasons ago. <laughs> like, yeah, I, like, I watched it. Have, it, up it until... should have ended at like season five, maybe season six, and like it's an apocalypse. Like, dude, I watched don't it, draw it out. I watched it probably halfway through season four and at that point it got to the point where zombies were no longer a problem anymore and they were just kind of there and they were Mm -hmm. like i was so pissed off with that show like for the first three seasons zombies were it's freaking zombies it's the zombie apocalypse first three seasons zombies after that it's like the writers nobody cares about zombies i do think the writers wanted to emphasize the point on that humans are more dangerous than the zombies but the thing is is yeah. like because of the zombies like that's the catalyst if you want a good good, good zombie story play the last of us yes because uh, it's really good yes um so yeah and then with game of thrones it was this thing of like they had such good material through the first you, five you, i'll let you talk okay. about game of thrones <laughs> so i rewatched the first six seasons of game of thrones during quarantine mm-hmm. um and it kind of reaffirmed some of what I thought about the show from watching it through the first time. I watched season eight live as it happened. Um, and I watched season seven like right before that. So I, I came to it very late. I did not watch it as it was happening. Um, mm-hmm. And so I remember thinking, this is awesome when I first watched it through. Yeah. When I watched it through the second time, the first four seasons gave me that feeling of this is awesome because it's just so well realized and it it did what it set out to do which is it's a really dumbed down way of saying it just accomplished its goal and maybe for some people that's like well duh like that's not a big accomplishment but for me as somebody watching it so often it shows will just miss the mark and you can tell what they're trying to accomplish and it just doesn't quite get there first four seasons of game of thrones really nailed it it's the last four that don't um and season five and six are not bad by any stretch of the imagination in fact season five is still really good it's just that you can tell after the season finale of season four there's a slight decline to seasons five and six and then seven and eight are just garbage yeah. And it's because these characters are so complex in the first, you know, few seasons of the show become really archetypal and just like they really it's almost like they compressed all the characterization down to like a sliver. And they were like, this is what the character is like Cersei Lannister. Yeah. She mm-hmm. is such a good character. The first four five ish seasons of the show, six, seven and eight. She's just so she's a fraction of what she had been before her character is like, there's nothing you can relate to her. Like she just stinks. Like, I don't know how else to put it. She just stinks. The fact, the past, uh, the last couple seasons and you hate her, which I guess you got to give her props for that or give the writers props for that. You hate that character, which is a good thing because she's supposed to be hated, but she just is so one-sided and not well-rounded um, and even great characters like Tyrion, mm-hmm. who I think is probably one of the best written characters from the books, like in a book maybe ever. He yeah. is absolutely incredible. 
in the shows that translates for the most part, but even later it's like, yeah. So as the production value went up, the storytelling went down and that's a thing that's going to happen with these mega blockbuster TV shows that are coming down the pipe. Like the Witcher Mm -hmm. is in danger of doing that. And I know they only. Oh, I mean, made- there's a ton of shows. It's it, because basically what happens is is companies get pressured, or so they get pressured by get fans pressured. to make a certain thing. Fans and by the you know the companies are like, we want more money. Yep. So either either shows will get canceled way too soon, yep. they will get prolonged for way too long. Yeah. And there is the rare instance like Breaking Bad where they end it on their terms and then they call yeah. it. And then I mean, and then he did Better Call Saul and like that show's going on and I've heard fantastic things yeah. about that show as well. And that is um, that almost never happens with a mega show where it's they get to call their shots, the writers, yeah. the producers, whatever they get to call their shots and then they end it at the perfect time. That yeah, hardly ever happens um, because these shows get so big and there's such a big cash cow that they just kind of you know they milk it for more money yeah and with game of thrones Uh, a quick aside before we move on to other stuff but yeah game of thrones will have like that story arc is sort of how the books are going to end i just imagine the books are going to be so much better real so Mm -hmm. they're going to be better i don't know how else to say it like there's just going to be much more layering there and some of the character turns are going to make sense season eight was such garbage in (laughs) because <laughs> the character turns don't make a like they don't make any sense at all and i'm like what am yeah, I, watching? I remember when it, when it was happening and i and i know like what happens in, in the last season and i was just kind of like okay it made no <laughs> sense at all like two seasons yeah. earlier some of the the things that are that characters do that character mm-hmm. even a season before or two seasons before they're literally outspoken against that thing that they become they're like i will never be that yeah. and then they become that and it's like why why did you do that without at least fleshing it out more right so i have a question for you totally it's and and it's starting kind of a new topic yeah what is you know if someone's writing a story like why what would be different about them doing a movie versus doing a tv show like what would how am i trying to word this what yeah basically like what's the benefit of doing a TV show over a movie or why would you want to do a one over the other? Yeah. So like, like basically what does a TV show try to achieve when you're telling a story? What, what is the benefit of that medium? Basically? I think you can kind of tell, and maybe it's just like an intuition sort of thing that you can't necessarily quantify. Maybe you can, I don't know, but I think you kind of know in the writing phase or the development phase of an idea, you can kind of tell when it's going to be a TV show or it's going to be a movie because they're going to be suited for different things. I mean, first off, you need more material with a TV show, and you also plot it mm-hmm. out differently. Um, you have to plot for episodes. Uh, there's a certain... Like, for example, we were in a class this past year. Was it this past? It was this past year. Something like that. Yeah. We had to write... A, uh, a TV series. It was like seven yeah. episodes. Which you did and I, and I did not. It was awful. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of the things we kind of went over was like how to plot out the beats for a season of a TV show. Mm-hmm. And this is something I'm not super well versed in because I, I did that, but I kind of did a workaround where it wasn't exactly, it wasn't exactly what was originally assigned. I kind of worked around it a little bit. But 
to hit those beats, you plot it out very differently than if you were going to plot out a movie. A movie, you have like three or five acts that are compressed into like 120 yeah. pages of material, whereas a TV show, you've got so much more and you stretch it out. And sometimes you even have filler episodes that are just kind of like little tangents that help build the character up a little bit. It's just different. Yeah. You kind of approach it differently. And I know right. that gets said a lot with different mediums. Like, they're just different. But, I mean, ultimately, they just are. Um, they're different it's ways more to so tell like, stories. I mean, with a TV show, it's like it's it's going to be a lot longer. Yeah. And it's, it's just there's going to be a lot more development. Like, yeah. I mean, if you're going to compare a, a, a character from a movie to a character from – from a show the show character more will be than more likely developed mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, unless obviously there's a show you know based off a movie like so for example like um and that's becoming a thing now like with the marvel movies and even with like star wars and stuff they're like they're doing different mediums for different things so marvel is getting into t- into television now yeah. and that was one thing of like with Daredevil and Punisher for example before they were you know they were canceled those were like shows were that so both good. had the development was like for those characters, for the villains, the side characters was just so well done. Yeah. And it's because you have three seasons worth of three seasons of eight episodes where they're an hour long. Yep. And it's like with these amazing writers. Now we're seeing that with Disney plus where it's like, okay, we're going to get this episodic content for, for the characters that are in the movies. And I guarantee they are going to, their development is going to, increase tenfold because of like you know you've got falcon and winter soldier and loki and like all these things and it's like oh like these are already great characters because they've popped up in so many movies which have almost in itself become kind of like a tv series where it's like yeah they're kind of episodic in their own right yeah and and it's like they're not because you can watch them like individually but they also connect with one another yeah but now with these shows it's like okay we're gonna have a lot more time depending on the runtime and how many episodes there's to a bigger market with these characters. TV shows have a much bigger market now than they used to ever have, especially with streaming. Right. And that's where the money lies in these streaming services. Cause like Amazon and Netflix can finance mm-hmm. anything. Um, yeah, pretty much like I, Amazon what, it Netflix is like the, it's the, the largest production uh, company in the world provider of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they make everything. They make movies, TV shows, everything, but like uh, Amazon Prime is making a Lord of the Rings show. Um, they're also making a Wheel of Time show, which is going to be basically Game of Thrones 2.0. Um, it's just a long way off. Both of those are going to be absolutely massive. Okay, uh, the thing with Game of Thrones that made it so insane and just changed the way TV shows are, are done was the budgets. Mm-hmm. Um, they were getting, yeah, that- you know... $3 million an episode, a $1 million an episode, $10 million an episode, which is obscene. Yeah. Crazy. Like, movies are made for less than that. And they were getting that per episode. And yeah. shows like The Lord of the Rings show, they're getting like $12 million, $15 million an episode whenever that ends up happening. The lines are getting blurred. The lines are getting blurred between movies and TV shows. And mm-hmm. in in its own way, TV shows are kind of not necessarily overtaking movies, but rivaling movies in terms of telling stories. Oh yeah. The market is absolutely blowing up for these massive cash cows that tell mm-hmm. really, really good stories. Assumedly, it's kind of a new thing. Like Westworld, it's a lot of these are even still going on because this is within mm-hmm. the last five years kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
Now, Game of Thrones did start like 10 years ago, but it's a recent development. Mm-hmm. I, within the last 10 years, TV shows have exploded to a... And I don't even know where it's going to go. It's ca- like it's because the whole binge culture thing has really has, yeah. has shaped it a lot, yeah. and and the popularity of streaming services of being able to just watch a show from your. I mean, like television shows that air on TV are like like the demographic that does that is probably so low mm-hmm. compared to you know oh I'm just going to watch it the day after so it comes out on Hulu right you know yeah. Or even like you know, it's and it also when they put this full season out on Netflix. It also has like the whole element of, and movies get this a little bit, but it's kind of like the the community element of watching mm-hmm. them. Where mm-hmm. with a TV show, fan bases build over time, and everybody's kind of like, "Yo, did you see this? What about this?" Like people debate with each other, and I know that happens yeah. with movies, but it happens differently and almost to another level with TV shows because, like you were saying, characters get built up so much and over such a long period of time you have a lot more room to breathe right and yeah 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 so what would you say is if we've done it for the past two what is the the biggest takeaway from a tv show what 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 have we learned today what have we learned today in the classroom taught by grayson yes myself yeah so i you know for i think and correct me if i'm wrong basically we we have agreed that TV shows, their medium allows you to develop the story and characters on a much grander scale. And now with modern times of how large the budget is for those episodes, it, it sometimes it suits better to do that type of show um, rather than a movie because you're going to get, you know, a full story. And even it's kind of weird, like, and, and this is like going to be the last thing with like even movies have been kind of turned into TV shows now. Like I think of like the hateful eight extended cut or whatever. And I think yeah. that was like five hours. It's five episodes or four episodes or something like yep. that. And it, they're all, and it's like, well, originally that was like a three hour movie and then they added all this. And now it's like, it's a five hour limited series pretty much. Yep. Um, so that's what we mean. What we mean by the lot, the lines are getting blurred and like the budget was still really high. Cause it's a movie. Yeah. Um, and all of that is true, but yeah. it with TV shows, it comes with the extra caveat of you're kind of in this weird pickle where you've got to pick. Ideally, you would decide when the story is over and when it ends because mm-hmm. you don't want it to go too long, but you also don't want it to end too short. You don't have that problem with movies. You kind of have it with books where a series could go on way too long and you have books that are total clunkers. And that's kind of like yeah. seasons of a show. Um, right. So you kind of have to be judicious with, okay, this might be making us a lot of money, but it might also bring down the quality of the overall show, Game of Thrones, because we made this and it stunk and our fans hate it. And now they're writing petitions asking us to remake the whole thing. <laughs> you got to love it, man. You got to love, love it. You got to love it. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I... I agree. I think... <laughs> do you have any anything else to say on TV shows? I do not. I think about just spilled all the beans. Yeah. Why don't you spill your spill beans? Spill your beans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we did it and in under two hours. I'm kind of um, impressed. I really, for a, a little bit there, thought we were going to be doing a two-hour episode. I, Dude, I have to use the bathroom so bad we're I not doing two like hours. Yeah, I, that's why I was like... Let's go, <laughs> because we don't like most of the, we don't pause this in between. We just like we drink our water and our coffee, we'll go and for it. by the end we're like, "Ooh, we gotta go." Yep. So, um, 
so yeah, I'll go through all of our, our things again. Uh, rising action underscore on um, on Instagram, and I now t- or s- uh, soon soon to be Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, soon to be Twitter. Um, you can find me at Tradester8 on Twitter and Instagram, and Josh, say yours because I forget. I know one is so his Twitter is Josh underscore J ninety eight ninety eight at at Josh yeah, and then J. Instagram is Josh Johnson ninety eight. Also, to win a free copy of Goodfellas, comment on the giveaway post on Instagram, and also comment on we- the post related to this episode on Instagram. If y'all made it this far, you're some real ones. I appreciate everybody yeah. listening. I know Grayson does as yeah. well. Uh, it feels like a little bitty story family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll probably put timestamps for people who want to, um, you know, maybe just want to hear about comics and then you want to break it up or something like that. Yeah, I can do that. Um, but if you listen to the full thing from cover to cover, metaphorically, uh, Thank you. We appreciate it. And we hope that maybe you've learned something because honestly, like, because when we go into this, like, it's not like we, we already know what we're going to say. Like, right. you know, I definitely like think about it, but I mean, it's for the most part, it's, it's a free rant. And so we kind of had these like takeaways with all of them. So also, if you haven't seen the the first part of this episode, uh, that was up last week and we talked about uh, movies and books. So go check that out. Um, if you somehow listen to this one first and then, um, and didn't listen to the other one yeah. if you're a new listener. If you so, saw yeah, part really two, it. which this episode is, if you saw part two and listened to that before part one, I don't know how to help you, but, you know, go yeah. listen to part one. I first. mean, it, it's not in, like, a chronological order thing, but, yeah, go back to listen to part one, and, and it's very similar in, in that sense. But, um, yeah, anything else we have left to say? Make, like, a bald man and get out of here. <laughs>